Hey guys, Reed Goosens here. Now before we dive into today's show, I quickly want to tell you about some exciting things happening in 2018. Now in a few months time, I will be launching my brand spanking new book appropriately titled Investing in the US, The Ultimate Guide to US Real Estate. And it is all the best bits from this show transformed into a book. Now, as you are all loyal listeners on this show, we are doing a pre-launch book giveaway. So what you have to do in order to participate in this pre-launch book giveaway is just shoot me an email. It's pretty simple. At info, that's I-N-F-O at readgoosens.com. And in the subject line, you can put the words Kraken book. And in return, I will shoot you back a link where you can go and pre-order your copy of my new book. Now remember, in that link, there will be an area where you can put the code Kraken, C-R-A-C-K-I-N, and that will enable you to get a discount. I want to thank you all for tuning in. The reason why I do this show is because of my loyal listeners, and this is a way of me giving back to you guys by helping you. You can pre-order the book and get it for free before we launch in a couple of months' time. All right, now back into the show. You need to learn, number one, how to speak to a customer. So you need to have some sales training on, on just the stuff that I talked about, how to pull out the pains and how to address the pains. You need to know how to, how to estimate how much the renovations are going to cost. And that's a lot easier than most people think. And you need to know, you know how to estimate the after repair value of the house. When you have those things, you go out and you set up a, a CRM, which is a follow-up system, which is amazingly easy and simple and cost-effective. So you get the follow-up system in place, and then you start marketing. Welcome to Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the U.S. podcast from Los Angeles. I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the U.S., how they've created financial freedom, massive amounts of cash flow, and ultimately create extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find the show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Google Play, but you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to reedgoosens.com, click on the video link and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug, but the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. (laughs) 
today in the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with Brad Chandler. Brad is the co-founder of Express Homebuyers, a real estate investing empire that does over 200 deals a year without his assistance. He's also the president of Brad Chandler Coaching, and he became passionate about real estate investing back in the ninth grade when he read a book about how to buy a home with no money down. Brad isn't your usual fix and flip investor, and over the years, he's discovered a world of real estate wholesaling and now teaches his secrets to others. He says it's not a get-rich-quick scheme program, but an investment in yourself. I'm really pumped and excited to have him on the show uh, to learn about his incredible experience and his journey. But enough out of me. Let's get him out here. G'day, Brad. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, mate? I'm awesome. Thanks for having me, Reid. Mate, my pleasure. Uh, a little bit in the green room early on, we were talking about the first question I typically ask my guests. And uh, I've kind of already alluded to it, but, but let's rewind the clock anyway. In the introduction, I, I kind of told people how you got started in real estate investing. But before that, how did you make money as a kid? What, what did you do to make your first ever dollar? So I would go at the time, it was People's Drug Store. And I grew up in a fairly small town, Charlottesville, Virginia. And I would buy a bag of blow pops. It's the lollipops with the gum in the middle. Yep. And I'd, I'd buy a bag, I'd rip out the coupon. I'd rip open the bag and there was a coupon always in the bag. And I'd buy my second bag. And I think my cost per blow pop was five cents. And I sold them uh, either 25 or 50 cents. And I remember coming home in seventh grade and having like $82 and change. And wow. man, I think I was rich. So I had, I had I had quite a business going until the school shut me down. <laughs> so that, that was my first probably money-making uh, foray. So so you bought it at what, 25 cents and you sold it for 50 or what? No, what I think it? I bought them at five and I sold oh, wow. them 25 and 50. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I remember going to a school, I went to a Catholic school as a kid and uh, the tuck shop would only serve confectionery two or three days a week and a lot of kids were doing you know the little hustle just like hey man I've got, I've got a box of lollies you know we call them lollies in Australia but it's like and they sell them out but it's the same sort of stuff but awesome um, now let's go talk about your your journey you know we talked to I, I, in the introduction I briefly say, stated that you had picked up a book back in the ninth grade it's a very early stage in life to be you know be bitten by the real estate bug but walk me through that and then how you've got to your journey to what you are today yeah, so I had some rough times growing up and financially, and you know, we almost had to move out of our house and move into a, like public housing. And I think that really shaped me as a as a kid. It really scared me. So in ninth grade, when I read this book on real estate investing, I basically learned that it was a, a, a an opportunity for unlimited income, and that really really stuck with me. So for fifteen years or so, I made real estate the foundation of my education. Just you know, studying it, reading about it. I went to school. I got you know two two degrees in real estate. Uh, in late 2002, an, an investor bought my neighbor's house in Vienna, Virginia. I went and talked to him. He goes, yeah, I buy houses 30% below market, fix them up and resell them. I go, I didn't know you could do that. Um, so I decided at that time, December 2002, to do it. And I just had a newborn son. I had a full-time job. Wasn't making a whole lot of money. I think I'm making like 60 grand or something. So I'd come home at night uh, from six to eight. I'd spend with my son. I'd put him in bed at eight. I'd work eight to midnight. Everything you can think of, handwriting letters, putting out bandit signs, uh, you name it, I did it. And it took me eight long months to find my first deal. But I got my first house in July, somehow ended up buying six houses in July and August, wow. quit my full-time full job in August of two, or October of 2003. And here we are, whatever, 15 years later, and we've done, you know, we're approaching, I think, 2,500 houses. That's incredible. That, that's, that's an incredible journey to come from um, a place of where, you know, earning – 
moderate income. You know, the average income in in the United States is around sixty k. But what yep. what were you doing uh, as uh, for the for the day job before you? you I was working for a real estate developer who bought rundown apartments and either turned them into uh, better apartments or condos. Okay, so you you because you, you did a state at the beginning that you had two degrees in real estate. So what were they? So undergraduate from Virginia Tech in residential property management. Uh, that was uh, and I and I actually went and worked for a, a, one of the one of the premier nationwide REITs, apartment REITs, but I'm not a corporate guy, didn't like it. So I went back to school, I went to University of Wisconsin and got an MBA in real estate. Okay, fantastic. That So you've, you've pretty much since ninth grade have just set yourself up to saying, I'm going to be laser focused on real estate for the rest of my life. So that, that's, yeah. you know, and, and a lot of people don't know that, right? Being such a young age. So, so kudos to you to be able to get into the into the world early on. Did those did those degrees help you in the early years? Like because you sort of your story is about like, oh, I found out about fixing and flipping. Surely you would have learned a little bit about that. Or, or was you know at your university degrees, or was it just so high level corporate level stuff that you didn't even think that you could create your own business from from real estate flipping? You know, I mean, so it's 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 a double edged sword here because on one hand, at one point in time, we had nearly forty million dollars out. And a lot of that $40 million was from a contact I made through University of Wisconsin. Um, so it would have been a lot tougher. But roll the clock back to, you know, uh, when I'm 18, I'm graduating from, from high school. Had I gone and worked for, you know, someone who was flipping properties, um, I probably could have learned the business and been further ahead than I am now um, had I, you know, just jumped right in. Sure. Now, given that you have an experience, because I've also come from a commercial real estate development background, um, what do you? Why do you like the single-family flipping business over the commercial stuff, which I'm sure you have experience in? You know, I I worked for uh, I did an internship with Trizicon, which uh, I think it might be a Canadian firm. Uh, they're a billion-dollar uh, commercial office building, and. I just, you know, I was, I was an analyst. I was building up this massive uh, spreadsheet for, you know, looking at deals and I, I, it's hard to put my finger on. I, I guess it has something to do. I, I, it goes back to my childhood really. And, and the fear of losing a house, I think, and the fact that I didn't want to ever be without a house. There's just something about residential real estate and the, the fact that it's someone's home and the fact that I can, I, I, you can do this in commercial, but take a rundown house and fix it up. It just, I, I've always been, you know, I'd go out in my mom's yard and we didn't have money to hire landscapers and stuff and the yard would be a mess. And, you know, I'd bust my butt and she'd come home and like this corner of the yard was completely transformed. It was just nice to take something from, you know, crap and turn it into something nice. And I really still enjoy that. No, it, it sounds like you're really like um, a craftsman, right? You're, you're taking something and, you, and you're crafting it with your hands and you're producing something better uh, and then be able to on-sell it to someone who can enjoy it and then make a profit at the same time. It's, it's yeah, the, the funny thing is, uh, Reed, uh, the, 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 um, the, the extent of what I can do when it comes to renovating a house, I could paint and I could probably change some light switches. <laughs> well, I, I think what I'm hearing from, from your story is more the fact that you just had an urge to be your own boss, right? You wanted to create yeah. your own business. Like, Everyone's in the corporate world, whether you're in commercial real estate or, or single family flipping, regardless of what you're doing, if you're working for someone else, you're not working on your, you know, yourself and making yourself better and all those other great things. It's that yearning passion within inside all of us as entrepreneurs to want to go out and control it, right? You want to be your own boss. And I think that's what I hear from you, right? Like you just uh, commercial, single family, but I just at the end of the day, I needed to be able to control what I was doing for my life and my time. Yeah, the the money's great, but you know what what really is money? What can it do? You know, you can't eat it. You, it won't keep you warm. It's just the time and the flexibility. So you know, my, I've got two children, and I've been a single dad for a while, or was a single dad for a while. 
Uh, and I just, I've never missed their events. I take them to their doctor's appointments. And when I look back in 20 years, it won't be how much money I made. It would, it would be, you know, how, how much time was I able to spend with my kids and shape them into the human beings I'm hoping they're going to be. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think that, is that your why uh, now? That, that why you got involved in real estate investing? Well, why I got involved way back was just probably from necessity and just wanting to never be, you know, never not have enough. Um, now it's certainly, it's, it's really helping people, um, helping people and then flexibility with my family. Yeah, love it, love it. Mate, let's get into the nuts and bolts of what you do with your day-to-day business. So do you want to break it down? Think of it like uh, a Chinese menu, you know, walking into a restaurant. What does your business offer clients uh, all the way from the free stuff all the way through to high touch clients, like you're flipping your houses and stuff like that. Yeah, so we, um, we've got about 26 of us here that uh, we'll do 200 uh, deals, uh, 200 wholesale deals. We're actually you know, purchasing houses as well. So about 200 deals, uh, we are rapidly expanding. We're going into other markets around the United States. And we basically are offering people a quick sale. You know, it's almost like the, we're like the CarMax. If you want to you know, drive the CarMax and drop your keys off and walk away with a check, that's how easy we make the home selling process. They call us, we give them an offer, you know, three weeks later, whatever, two weeks later, 10 days later, they, they show up to closing, they sign the paperwork and they walk away with a check. So some, sometimes we wholesale the properties and, you know, sometimes we buy the properties. And, and are you buying for yourself to flip or are you buying to, um, I guess you said wholesaling, so you're buying a wholesale to other flippers. So yeah. talk to me about the, the, the funnel of how someone comes through one end and the production line to get through to, the, to, to a product on the outside, on the, on, the, on the back end, I should say. So a lead comes in, whether it's a phone call or, or a web lead, and then we obviously handle that and talk with the seller. We analyze the deal. We look at the comps in the neighborhood. We decide, you know, here's our offer price. And if they take it, we, you know, we give them a range. We'll come out to their house. We'll do our inspections. We'll sign the contract. And then again, they'll show up to closing and that's it. If we, if we buy it, we show up to closing. Obviously we buy it and then we do the renovation work and then we resell it. It's a pretty, pretty simple, pretty simple business. It's, you know, we, we see ourselves as a sales and marketing company more than like a real estate company. Yeah, and that's interesting that you say that because there's a lot of people out there these days, you know, doing what you guys are doing, wholesaling, flipping, you know, it, it seems like every man and their dog is involved in real estate investing. How do you, how do you di- differentiate yourself from the, the next person? And, and, and I, you've been involved since 2003, so you've clearly got a long track record, but what's the sort of um, the mission statement of the business to make you stand up and out and above the crowd? So, you know, the, the way people buy is really changing dramatically uh, over the years. You know, it used to be you saw a television, uh, television commercial and then maybe you would, you know, you go test out the project, product or you'd go to the Better Business Bureau. Now it's really, um, I'm forgetting the term, but it's like reputational marketing. People really, when you go buy a product now, what do you do? What's the first thing you do? You go to Amazon and look at the reviews, right? Right. So, so we've got a 15-year track record. We've, we've been A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau since 2003. Um, we have the one of the number one ranked websites in the space in the entire country. I mean, we get two thousand leads from all over the country. So it's just our it's just our name and reputation that really sets us apart in our professionalism. Like when you call, you'll never get a voicemail here. We always talk, you know, live with someone. We, we get back to people. We do what we say we're going to do. Unfortunately, there's a lot of unscrupulous folks, uh, as you probably have run across in this business. And you know, from day one, I've been on television. I'm you know I'm Brad Chandler. I'm here to buy your house. If I'm not hiding behind any we buy houses signs or you know, five years ago, hardly anyone even had their address on their website because, you know, they were doing things they shouldn't, shouldn't do. So we're just upfront professional and, you know, we, we stick to our word. That's, that's great. And I think that, 
it goes back to the ethos of the company, making sure that you have a lot of transparency. Um, clients are happy with the professionalism and the product, and, and that goes down into the core values of your business and makes makes you stand out from the crowd, which is, I think, very, very important for anyone listening out there because starting a business is hard, right? And 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 as you said, you're in the marketing business, not necessarily the real estate business. Um, so on that note, talk to me a little bit about, you know, we spoke about earlier in the green room that you wanted, uh, you're really passionate about marketing and helping others. So talk to me about the marketing piece and what you're so passionate about that piece for. Uh, so I just, I've always loved marketing. I love, um, I, I love the psychology of how brains work and, you know, just finding the right message. Uh, you know, so many companies want to talk about how great they are. And it's the, it's the few companies out there, you know, the, Apple's a great one. Apple actually takes you on a journey. They don't say, we're so great because of this. They say, if you buy my product, here's the transition that you're going to, you know, going to have. So in the last couple of years, we've really focused on that, not saying, you know, why Express Home Buyers are so great, but what is the journey that the customer is going through? Because so every, every customer has an internal and external pain, and they're, their external pain is, for instance, their, their lawn needs to be cut. But they don't call you because their lawn needs to be cut. They call you because of their internal pain or the internal struggle, which is they're afraid their homeowners are going to find them, their homeowner association, or their neighbors are going to, you know, they're embarrassed their neighbors will see them, or they've got guests coming over and they don't want them to be embarrassed. So that's why they pick up the phone and call you. And not enough people, both in the sales and marketing process, do a good job a good enough job speaking to the internal pains, they want to talk about the external pain. Here's why you should use us to cut your lawn. Here's our blades and here's our blah, blah, blah. And here's how we're so great. We've mown so many lawns. People don't care about that. They care, how are you going to solve my problem? Right. No, I think that is, that's exactly right. And the adage to aspire to something like an Apple product where you, you, you transform that person's life by the particular product. How are you with your products helping the person with that internal pain feel better about themselves or if they are ashamed that they're about, they don't want to see the neighbors to see or, or, or they've got to sell their house. So how, what sort of processes are you putting in place when someone comes in through your funnel and making sure they, they have that, you know, Apple class experience and they leave thinking I've done the right thing here. So it starts, it starts in the marketing. So, you know, if you look at our website, we show a couple that is our target customer that's happy, meaning that they've gone through our, our, our funnel or whatever our services and they're happy. So it starts there. And then when we get on the phone with them, we talk a lot, we try to draw out those pains. And we basically, instead of just listing the benefits of our company, we, we, we say how those benefits are going to solve their pain. It's very simple. I mean, there's no, there's no magic to it. It's just a lot of people don't do it. Right. Do you have a lot of follow up on the, on the, on the back end once a person is sold with your company and you know had a successful transaction do, do you have a follow-up where you're saying hey rank us in terms of our follow-up in terms of our care uh, all those sort of things and making sure that you're, you're measuring those metrics um, in order to keep that experience alive and keep it fresh so um, it's one of the things we've honestly fallen down on recently we did it for years and years and years with customer surveys and we're in the process of putting those back in play um, it's important. I know why you're asking. It's important to see, you know, make sure that the service is good. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have repeat customers. Of the 2,500 transactions we've done, we've probably had less than 25 repeat, you know, people that, that called in. So it's it's not like Apple where you want to stay in front of the people and keep selling them new stuff. But it it, sh it should be done. So right. But it's also back to the point of that you want to make sure then that that the the, the one time interaction with that one one time client 
is the most beneficial and uplifting experience and helps them through their pain and all the, you know, the mental stuff that they're going through trying to sell their house. And so that they can give you a good referral or good um, client testimonial. So you can use that to then leverage it into the marketing space to attract more customers, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So mate, tell me, how do you uh, start a real estate wholesaling business? I know that was one of the key talking points that we wanted to discuss on today's show. Yeah, so I have a ton of free resources at bradchandler.com. Um, I have a killer case study, uh, bradchandler.com forward slash case study uh, that, that takes you 90 minutes through a deal earlier this year where we made $33,750 on a uh, townhouse in Chantilly, Virginia. Um, I actually, I have a free book. I mean, it's all on my site, but how someone starts, it's all, I think it's best to start with wholesale, with wholesaling because you don't need the capital to buy and fix the houses. And what you do is there's a couple of, there's, again, this isn't rocket science. You need to learn number one, how to speak to a customer. So you need to have some sales training on, on just the stuff that I talked about, how to pull out the pains and how to address the pains. You need to know how to, how to estimate how much the renovations are going to cost. And that's a lot easier than most people think. And you need to know, you know, how to estimate the after repair value of the house. When you have those things, you go out and you set up a, a CRM, which is a follow-up system, which is amazingly easy and simple and cost effective. So you get the follow-up system in place and then you start marketing and you, and you market through, you know, whatever channel you can afford, whether it's bandit signs or, or direct mail or TV or radio or internet. No, I, I love it because a lot of the people, when I first moved to the United States and I started picking, I picked up the book. Have you ever read the book Flip, F-L-I-P, the green book? Um, I can't remember who it was by, but it was a really incredible book that walked you through Choosing your market, choosing your um, you know demographics, ARVs, all the stuff that you just expressed, and you know naturally wholesaling is the first step. And a lot of people try that step right because it's it's a low barrier to entry. But why do you, why in your mind do you see people failing so much at wholesaling? And there's only a handful of people that you know in my space um, I know are successful wholesalers. What, what, what's the secret sauce there? Is it persistence? Is it time? Like what what is it? So the number one thing, read over everything. And from a young kid, I was always really uh, fascinated why some people succeeded and why others didn't. You know, you right. could pick a, pick a person from a broken house and they, a broken home and they just killed it. And then someone who was born in a privileged home did nothing. And it's 100% mindset. That, that's, there are other factors, but if you ask me one thing, it's mindset. And then secondly, it's persistent. But mindset is, and there's a great book called uh, uh, Mindset by Carol Dweck. You either have a growth mindset or a fixed mindset. So I'm not the smartest person in the world by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, I'm, I'm average intelligence, at, at least in my opinion. Uh, but, 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 but I have a mindset that I can figure stuff out, whereas someone else is, oh, you know, Brad can do that or Reed can do that development deal. But no, I can't do it. It's, it's too tough. So right. success begins with mindset. You can give someone the greatest training in the world, but if they have a fixed mindset, they're, they're not going to succeed, bottom line. Love it. I absolutely love that. Yeah, fixed mindset. And I guess it's the stories that you tell. Right? You just say, oh, Brad and Reed, they go off and do this stuff and I can't do that. You know, it's, it's sort of you're already shackling yourself to not ever succeed further because you're just telling yourself these stories. It's, uh, it's a really it's – it's quite an interesting um, aspect. But I'm sure with your training, you would see a lot of people with those limiting beliefs and probably with your customers and clients who come through your funnel that they have these limiting beliefs that they can't get out of the situation that they're in, right? And, and it's all about creating these ecosystems around helping people change your mindset when they come and they have an experience with you. Would you, would you say that's a good summary? Well, Reed, I honestly have never, ever thought about this, and I'm so glad you just said that. I would bet you that 99% of our people – 
because uh, 100% of them, well, 95% of them are in distress, right? Mm-hmm. I bet you that 99% of the 95% of people who are in distress have a problem with their mindset. And that's right. why they're there in the first place. 100%. So I think, I think you've just... <laughs> You're welcome, <laughs> but you, 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 you've just, I, I think it's interesting because you bring up so many mindset points and just from an outsider's point of view, I've never done successful wholesaling, but the same things that people get bogged down with, with the stories and all that sort of stuff and telling themselves they can't do this, this and that, it leads from whether you're a seller of a property because you got in that situation or someone who's trying to be successful in wholesaling, it's all one and the same, right? Yep, sure is. Yep. Mate, so tell me about how you like to scale your business. I know you've 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 gone from you said you have 20 29 employees or something like that. That's that's pretty incredible and you're able to set up a system where it makes money without you being involved in the business. Tell me all about that because that's an incredible aspect of the business that everyone wants to achieve yeah. as a business owner, right? Yeah, there's very I mean, I'm well connected across the United States and there's very few people who can say that, who can truly say it. There's a lot of people that say it, but that can truly have a business that runs without them. Um, I started one of the first books I ever read read was uh, The E-Myth by Michael Gerber, and it's how to systematize your business. So I knew from day one that I didn't want to be working in my business forever. So literally, I start we, we hired a consultant from the Gerber Institute and started uh, systematizing our business from day one. Since that time, you know, our systems have evolved and they continue to evolve like almost on a daily basis. But it's all it comes down to people. When I see problems in businesses, whether they're real estate investors or, or other businesses, it's all people. 95% of problems in business are people. It's having the wrong people in the wrong seat or just not having enough people. So we really focus here at Express Home Buyers on the systems and the people. And if you get great people, you hardly have to have the systems because the people will just do the work for you. And people just don't spend enough time and effort on finding, retaining uh, the, the, the top talent out there. Do you think that's the number one piece of advice when when scaling a business is is people and the team you create around you around yourself? Absolutely, because you can't scale a business without great people. Because if you don't have great people, your business isn't in a position to scale because there's a lot of stuff already going wrong in it. Right. No. No. One hundred percent. I completely agree. So, like with the mindset, like I know I struggle a little bit about this. You know, where me and my business partner are pretty lean. We do you know fair fair large chunk multifamily investing. Um, but we keep it pretty lean with our team. In terms of creating liabilities within a business like an employee because you have to then pay them a salary and insurance and all that sort of stuff, That's I'm also limiting my belief right now by just saying that. But how do you then created a lifestyle business for yourself but still kept the business chugging along? Uh, and it goes again back to systems, but what are you doing specifically in order to be so a little bit more hands-off and, as they say, working on your business, not in your business? I mean, I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but it's all the people that I've hired. Right. The, the people that I've hired have allowed me to, they've taken everything off my plate that you know I did 10 years ago. I, I literally just got on the phone and started making seller calls because I've got free time. <laughs> and I made my first offer. This was crazy. I walked into my partner's office. I go, you know that I'm, I'm making my first seller offer since 2004, I think. And he goes, that is unbelievable, Brad. I was like, I'm a little nervous. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I got the contract and she signed up. So uh, it, it's, it's uh, again, bro, it's people. It's people, yep. Reed. That's awesome. That's all. So any advice for someone out there who is starting to grow a wholesaling business in terms of the systems and the people? Like who was your number one hire when you started growing? Who, who, was, that, who was the most influential number one hire that when you, when you started to expand and, and make this thing work? 
So the, 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 that's a um, it's a tough question to answer because I'm going to answer it a different way. The, sure. the first person that you want to hire in any business is the person that's going to take you away from the non-dollar producing activities or the activities that someone could do for ten to twelve dollars an hour. Right. So right. you can focus on growth. Now the most instrumental person, um, you know, we just brought on a CEO. I've stepped aside as CEO. I'm now the chairman of Express Home Buyers. This gentleman has created, uh, Mark has, Filler has created a couple of companies from scratch and grown them nationally and sold them to a private equity shop in uh, Royal Bank of Canada. So I, uh, like a lot of entrepreneurs don't do, I put my ego to the side and said, listen, I'm not capable uh, of growing and scaling a, you know, a $200 million, $500 million uh, nationwide. So I'm going to find someone who has done that before. And that's what we're in the process of doing right now. He's, he's, he came on board about 90 days ago and we're just, you know, turning things on its head and, and starting to grow. That's awesome. That's congratulations, by the way. That's, that's a very cool, cool position to be in that you've got to a point where your business can, you know, as you said, leave your ego at the door and, and step aside because you, you just know you don't have the skill set. but then it frees up your time. Right. Um, but I also want to summarize just if people didn't hear that, I guess getting really granular on the processes in your business that you can outsource to someone five, ten, twelve dollars an hour, right? And get them doing those stuff. And that can be virtual assistants, or we've talked a lot about on the show about virtual assistants. But I think those are really key points that um that, that to help that person get to that 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 systemized business. Because a lot of people talk about oh, you got to put in these processes and systems, but at the end of the day, how do you do it? So, um, so that's really, really awesome. Brad, what is the number one piece of advice? And I know we might have, I might be broken record, but to create a successful business where you are now in the position to step aside and hire a CEO. That's a huge, like, and that's, to be honest, mate, that's a huge um, accolade for yourself. I'm, I'm sure you're pretty proud of that, but, but that just, let's not forget how you, all the years that you've worked to get to this point, but, but well, well done. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to hire that first person and then look at where is the where's the next hire that you can make that's going to bring you the, the biggest, you know, you're, you're going to spend a person, a team member is an investment. So if you're going to spend 50000 or $100,000 on a person, who's the person that you can bring in where that $100,000 salary or $50,000 salary is going to bring you a, you know, five to one return. They're going to bring in $500,000 a year. And then just take a lot of time. People, you know, the old way of hiring, put an ad on on monster.com, you get a bunch of resumes, you sort through the resumes, you get three that you like the best, you schedule interviews and you're like, you know what, this is the best of the three. Well, that's crazy. Like if you've got to, if you've got to interview 25 people, interview 25 people, take your time with hiring. But we get so busy and we're so caught in the whirlwind that we're just like, I need this person so bad, I'm just going to get them in there. And right. you know, I used to hear 10 times uh, the salary is the what it costs you if you hire a bad employee. I was like, what a bunch of BS that is. And oh my gosh, is it right? Like you, you cannot afford to hire the wrong people. So how do you do that? You learn how to hire and you take your time. Literally just take as much time as you need. You're better off not having someone than you are having the wrong person. What sort of advice can you give about who is the right person and making sure, is there a personal t- person personality type, I should say, that you look for that, 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 you know, what's been the number one thing you've learned when you're hiring all these people to make sure you're making the best hire? So we look for energetic people who have a good attitude, but we absolutely, we, we do behavioral testing. So if you're hiring an accounting, you don't need necessarily need a, an extrovert. You, you need someone who is an introvert who loves the numbers and detail oriented. So if you're hiring someone and you guys aren't doing a behavioral or a personality test, you're crazy. 
And you can go to TonyRobbins.com. Uh, I think just search Tony Robbins Disc, and you can do it for free now. So use personality and behavioral testing. I'm to the point now where I tell my staff, don't hire anyone. And this wasn't the case 10 years ago. I would say, you know what, um, hire this person. But now, if I wouldn't want to go with that person and, and have lunch or have a beer or hang out, like I'm not hiring them. Because right. life is life is too short. I don't want to come to the office and be like, oh, I don't want to see that person. I'm going to avoid that person. So, hire people that you really want to work with. No, I think it's it's correct. It's and I've I've come across that a lot. Where where I'm a I'm a straight shooter type of guy. No BS. You know, within the first five to ten seconds or thirty seconds of meeting someone, I know if I'm going to be able to go out and have a beer with them. Um, and if you can't, I think that's a great a great rule that you take into business. If you can't do that with your own employees, then maybe you're hiring the wrong person. But, 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 but awesome stuff, energetic, behavioral test, uh, and, and go to TonyRobbins.com. I'm sure you can figure all that out to, to Google it. Um, one last thing I want to ask you about before we get into the top five investing tips is, what's the number one thing that's that you see causes most businesses to fail? Uh, I won't use people again, but that is the number one thing. <laughs> um, cash flow. Like you, uh, they don't, you know, in business school, they teach a lot about profit and loss, but they don't teach a, teach a lot about cash flow. You can actually have a profitable business and, you know, be bleeding cash. So cash, you, you just have to always, always, always keep your eye on cash, have a cash forecast. And, you know, uh, a mentor a while ago said, and we did this for a while, I got away from it as cash got better. But I used to have the daily bank balances, I have my my controller every single day email us the daily bank balances, like what a better, you know, a barometer for where you stand. So ca mm -hmm. cash flow is huge. Yep, no, I completely and I'm the number one, I, I'm in the process right now of trying to find someone who's more than just a bookkeeper, but that, you just said you're a your controller, but uh, that's someone that I, I aspire to hire in our business within the next 12 months is because that sort of stuff, I, even though I love the numbers as being an engineer, I just I hate doing it. And, and I, I'm sure you sound, you and I sound very similar in that sort of mindset. You want to oversee the day-to-day -day of it, but you don't want to get into the mamusha. Um, awesome stuff. Hey, mate, I always like to ask my guests to give me their top five investing tips. You ready to get into it? Sure. Mate, what is the daily habit that you practice to keep on track towards your goals? Uh, there's a, you know, a Gary Keller, the one thing book. What's the one thing that I can do such that by doing it, everything else is easier or unnecessary? And I didn't always do this. Um, mm -hmm. Just always focus on what is the most important thing and don't come into the office at nine o'clock and get caught and sucked in by email because email is not going to get you towards your five-year, one-year monthly goals. So you put the email to one side? Is that what you're saying? What do you, what do you, what do you do? I mean, I didn't have this. I didn't really learn this until like the last three years when I think about the, the hundreds of hours I've wasted on email. Now email is just like, I don't care about email. I'm not sitting there you know, taking seller leads. So when I get to email, I get to email. Now I come in and I'm like, what can I do today that's going to move me closer towards my goal? And then once I get that done, then I can go look at some emails. Mm -hmm. What And what, what, what do you do? Do you practice meditation? Is it working out? Is it um, journaling? Is there some specific tool or thing that you do every morning that can help move the needle rather than just as, you know, be a slave to the emails and, you know, you just get caught up and being, uh, you know, <laughs> hunched over and like answering these bloody emails all the time? So, so just to clarify, I do work out, I try to work out five days a week. I don't always do it, but most of the time I'm, I'm in the gym. Uh, I drop my daughter at the, after school and then I go to the gym. Uh, but when I come in, Reed, it's, 
I time block. I say, I'm not going to do anything else. I'm not going to get caught up in the world in the business until I get this done. And it can change every day. It's just, what mm-hmm. is your, what is your one thing? But for someone like that's a, that's a wholesaler or a realtor for say, it's making offers or talking to people. So what everyone needs to do is take three hours a day, put it in their calendar. Cause if they don't put it in their calendar, it will never happen. And for three hours a day, focus on the thing that's going to get you towards your five-year goal. You set your five-year goal and then you say, what can I do this year to get me in my five-year? And then you set your monthly goal or you say, what can I do this month to get to my yearly goal? What can I do this week to get me to my monthly? What can I do today to get to my weekly? And that's how every day when you come in, you just say, okay, what is it that I need to do today? Right. No, I think that is incredibly important because even in my, I even know myself that you, you know, we're all, it's a, it's a, it's an ongoing battle, right? As being entrepreneurs where you, you have these goals and you have these aspirations and you want to write them down. But sometimes when you're building a business, you can get caught up in what you just said about the, the, the running the hamster wheel and you're not actually blocking off the time uh, to do something that's going to move the needle towards you having that goal in five years' time. So I think time blocking, it's, I've never heard it being called time blocking, but it's a block of time. It's, it's the same thing. Um, that's incredible. So I think so. so you're, you you switch everything off during that time and just get it done and 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 make sure it's done by by the end of that whatever block of time it was. It is. I do. When I was building out my coaching program, like I literally turn off email, take my iWatch off, take my phone, put it aside, and just focus. Because what happens in ninety nine percent of businesses is you're doing something and then someone knocks on the door. Oh, hey, Brad. And then your mind, it takes like 15 minutes. You know, 20 years ago, you'd ask an interview question and it was all about, could you multitask? Well, they've completely disproved that. Multitasking is the biggest waste of time in the world. The people who are the most effective, whether it's athletes or business people, get in a zone and focus on the one thing that they need to do and improve on. Right. No, I think that's incredibly, uh, incredible piece of advice because multitasking is uh, it's, it's the bane of my existence really to, to be, cause you then get not focused on one thing. There's, what's the, um, that old saying, you're, uh, a trick of all trades, but a master of none. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and where you just get, so, I, I, you know, back in a few years ago, I, I'd be like, oh crap, I forgot to send that email because I got distracted by the shiny object of something else that's come into my day that is just, you know, taken, sucked up my time. I, I completely, I, I love what you just said then. Hey mate, what is the most influential, um, tool in your business and I mean, it could be physical or it could be software related a tool um it's probably uh as we're expanding it's probably uh one of the one of the nationwide uh valuing platforms whether it's zillow or you know there's, there's another one that we use but i think that i think that would be it you know google is just amazing now i can pull up but uh, you know when an address comes in in tuscaloosa and I know nothing about Tuscaloosa. I Google it and it shows me the value. It shows me the, the neighborhood I can search. So Google Street Maps is pretty awesome too. <laughs> I could imagine Google Street Maps would be pretty awesome for a business like yours. Um, what, who's been the number one person in your career? So who's been the most influential person in your career today? You know, I get a lot of respect. Um, I don't know where things are going there because the real estate market's changing so much. But Gary Keller, uh, I've learned a ton from Gary Keller of Keller Williams. And he's the one who wrote the one thing book that we've, you know, was we're mentioning earlier. Um, I've interviewed um, uh, David Osborne uh, on the show and uh, Pat Highbarn, uh, six, 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 seven steps to six figures or seven, seven all the way around. Good, good two, two blokes who I know were involved in Keller, uh, Gary Keller's business early on in life. Um, so awesome stuff. Uh, what has been the biggest failure in your career to date, and what did you learn from your failure? The biggest failure. Um, 
I have got to think it was in early in in mid in the summer of 2005. We had we were a new company because we just really started in 2004, and we made a lot of money the first five months. And so I thought, you know, I'm really smart. I'm smarter than the next guy. Uh, I'm going to retire early. Let's start getting into development deals. So we mm-hmm. started. Uh, we bought three development deals in within like 30, 60 days, probably for I don't know three million bucks or something. Well, we ended up losing over three million dollars on those development deals. We actually lost nine hundred over nine hundred nine hundred and like sixty thousand dollars on one house. So, uh, <laughs> what I learned from that is focus in in the shiny object. Like if if you just because you know how to at the time we were renovating, fixing, and flipping uh, houses, just because you know how to do that well doesn't mean that you know how to tear down a luxury house, carve it up into two lots, and build two new houses or that you can take a, a, a multi-unit and turn it into condos. So just stick with what you know, and if you don't know it, make sure you put in all the checks and balances uh, in order that you don't fail, because we just made so many mistakes looking back. I, I'm sure you, it goes back to what you are saying earlier about people, making sure you're hiring the right people who know those skills in order to help you succeed at that, yeah. whatever, the, we, we didn't whatever have, the deal yeah. that might be. And we didn't <laughs> have those people, yep. Right, right. Mate, what are you, what's the plan uh, for you personally in 2018 and beyond and professionally what's the what's what's happening so i've um you know i've i've, I've the last year i've really spent co- uh, building my coaching business so I've, I've really stepped out of express home buyers and now we're you know we brought mark on and he's a really dynamic individual and i can't wait to learn a lot from him so i'm i'm stepping back into express home buyers and really going to help you know just grow the company so i hope uh, in 20 you know 2019 that, that you know we're in 50 markets and just just crushing it Awesome. Love it. And personally? Uh, personally, I have, uh, I, I stopped eating meat uh, a year ago. I've used that as an excuse to not eat great. And I've put on uh, a couple extra pounds. Uh, so I'm, I'm really going to focus on, on health and nutrition and working out this next year and getting back to, uh, <laughs> to my fight and weight. You, um, you're still not eating meat? I'm not. Good, good stuff. Keep it I up, man. Mean, it's awesome. Every every once in a while, I'll have like a bite here and there, but generally, my daily diet has zero meat in it. Well, that's good. No, I'm 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 the same, and uh, have been trying to. I was going to wear a shirt that says 80% vegetarian, you know, <laughs> because sometimes <laughs> on the weekends I might have a burger just if you're out with friends. But no, that's it's good because yeah, meat meat can. Uh, I, I have meat. not, and I'm a hamburger dude. I'm a steak dude. I, I mean, roast Chris fillet. I have not had red meat in a year. Wow. And it's wow, amazing because I, 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 was a cup, I was the guy that you had to have three meals a day. And if they mm-hmm. didn't have meat, they weren't a meal. Like it wasn't a meal unless meat was included in it. It's so funny you say that because I thought exactly the same thing when I f- first started becoming a vegetarian. It was just like, if it's not got meat in it, it's not a meal, right? It's just a snack. <laughs> so that's awesome. Hey, man, where can people reach you to continue the conversation? They want to find a lot more about what you do, be in your world and you know, just pick your brain. Where do they go? Bradchandler.com. Awesome stuff, man. Well, I want to thank you so much, Brad, for coming on the show today. I just want to quickly summarize some of the things that I took away from, you know, just chatting with you in really candid chats. And that was, you know, making sure you're building a business that is financially successful in cash flow. And you said before that not all businesses are cash flow positive and making sure you're looking at the numbers on a consistent basis. Uh, the second biggest thing about scaling a business was growing with the right team members and not just hiring anyone. 
um, because that can you know lead to further problems down the road. And and then the biggest one I took away from you is it's one hundred percent about mindset, whether it's about your the, the customers that are coming into your sphere or your funnel, or the people that are trying to um, become wholesalers. The number one thing that that we all tell ourselves is 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 that we don't have the mindset to go off and achieve greatness. So I think that's uh, that's sort of the big three takeaways. What, anything else you want to add? No, I mean, I, I touched on it before, but perseverance is huge. Like I see students come in and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a combination of mindset and then just not sticking with it enough. I mean, not, nothing is easy in life that's worth it. Business right. is really tough and it's getting tougher by the day. So you, you just have to know that you, you got to stick it out. Like I, I spent eight months. It was a long, there were so many times I could have given up and said, you know, this doesn't work. I don't know how those people are doing it, but this doesn't work. Every day I got more and more persistent and said, if these guys can do it, I can do it. And just, you know, I figured it out. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. Well, I want to thank you so much for dropping by. Enjoy the rest of your week and we'll catch up soon. Thanks, Reed. Well, there you have it. Another cracking episode jam-packed with some incredible actionable investing advice and business advice about how to scale a business and grow successfully. Make sure you check out all the show notes on my website at reedgoosens.com to click on the podcast tab. I want to thank you for taking some time out of your day to continue to grow your financial IQ because that's what we're all about here on this show. And we're going to do it all again next week. So take care, be safe. Remember, happy investing.